With a strike of a gavel, the St. Louis Board of Aldermen came back into session last week after a summer layoff. One of the first orders of business was a ceremonial swearing in of the board's newest member. Please raise your right hand when I say I, you state your name. I. I, Heather Navarro. Of the city of St. Louis. Of the city of St. Louis. After easily defeating three other candidates in a July special election, Heather Navarro is now representing six neighborhoods in St. Louis's central corridor. She's finishing up St. Louis Mayor Lida Krusen's unexpired term. As an attorney and the executive director of the Missouri Coalition for the Environment, Navarro is hoping to make an impact in a legislative body that's had lots and lots of turnover in the past year. She alluded to the challenge ahead in her maiden speech on the Board of Aldermen floor. But I just want to say that it's taken a lot of people to get me here today, and I really hope that they will all keep me true to my values, um, all of the things that helped get me here today. I count on all of you who are here today to keep me true to those as I serve in this position moving forward. So on this edition of the Politically Speaking podcast, we welcome newly minted Alderwoman Heather Navarro onto the program. She'll talk about why she decided to get involved in city politics and the big issues her colleagues will take up over the next few weeks and months. So let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Merzenbaum. And I'm Joe Manis. That's Eric Greitens. Navy <laughs> SEALs running for governor. And I'm really, really glad to be on with you, Jason and Joe. I'm going to push back on these regulators. I'm doing this for the people. I was encouraged along the way, not just by my family, but by a lot of teachers and professors and knew when I was in college that I would run for office someday. We're very excited about the prospect of having some more free market solutions. Even though after the conversation, I still might not agree. We want our listeners to get a real sense of what drives these people. They're actually people with a story to tell. Hi, everybody. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the only show about Missouri politics that fights for the right of every man. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum, and I'm flying solo this week to welcome our guest, St. Louis Alderwoman Heather Navarro. Before we jump into the interview, I wanted to provide just a little bit of background about how Navarro became an elected official and the state of play in the Board of Aldermen. When Lida Krusen was elected mayor earlier this spring, she vacated her 28th ward seat. The Democratic Central Committee is charged with nominating somebody to run in a special election, and after a false start, the committee ended up nominating Navarro. But Navarro didn't just get to waltz into the Board of Aldermen. She had to defeat two well-funded independent candidates and a member of the Green Party in a rare July election. Ultimately, she won decisively and was sworn in earlier this summer. Navarro is the seventh new member of the board to be sworn in this year. Since Alderwoman Dion Flowers of the 2nd Ward stepped down a few weeks ago, the eighth new member will be elected later this fall. So that's all out of the way. I started out by asking Navarro to talk a little bit about the 28th Ward, which, in my humble opinion, features some of the city's most fun attractions. So the 28th Ward encompasses parts of the Central West End, Skinker to Bolivar, to Bolivar Place, Wydown Skinker, the West End neighborhood, and the High Point neighborhood. So it's essentially the Central West End north of Lindell to Boyle, more or less, to Del Mar, and then up Lindell, and then all of Forest Park. I was just going to say, if you look at a map of the 28th Ward, you see, like, all of these streets and then just a giant green box because that's all of Forest Park. And I, when, when then Alderwoman Crewson, now Mayor Crewson, was on the show— I remarked that you may have the funnest ward because in Forest Park you have the zoo, you have the history museum, you have the Central West End, which is always a lot of fun for people. So I could see why like four candidates wanted to run for this seat because it is the the funnest ward in in St. Louis. Is that fair to say? 
I think so. I've lived there for about 14 years now, and I feel like I'm in Forest Park probably at least once or twice a week for various activities and festivities, and it is. It's a wonderful place to it, be. It would have been breaking news if you said it wasn't a fun <laughs> ward, because I think that would probably just uh, make everybody question why you're trying to represent this area. But that aside, I wanted you to let our listeners know a little bit about yourself, your professional background, and why you decided to jump into the zany world of St. Louis politics. Well, I moved to St. Louis 20 years ago to go to Washington University and studied environmental studies. Um, always knew I wanted to be an environmental lawyer. So that was the path that I was on and um, ended up staying in St. Louis, um, going to law school at Washington University and then settling in the Central West End and starting my family. Um, I did not practice environmental law, but I practiced a lot of civil rights law. And so while I was living in the Central West End, I was raising my kids, um, going to school, and um, started a nonprofit in the Central West End trying to connect young families to one another and then just to the neighborhood in general. Because there are a lot of people who move to the Central Corridor from other cities. And so they get here and they don't have the family connections like people do in other parts. I'm raising my hand right now. That's exactly what I did when I moved from Columbia. But I moved to the 17th Ward, which is which is a lesser ward, obviously, than 28th Ward. I'm not going to make you say that into a microphone because Joe Rohde will, will excommunicate you. But that is actually very true because when I was looking to move to St. Louis, I was wondering where should I live? And I saw all of these attractions around the Central Corridor and I actually lived there for a year. So I, I imagine that has happened not only in your situation, but with thousands of other people. Yeah, it's a great place to raise a family because the park is so close. Um, it's very walkable. Um, and there are a lot of other families there, a lot of transplants. And so I think we, we crave community. And so when people don't have family nearby, you end up relying on your neighbors. And so we ended up having playgroups just organically in our front yards. And then we ended up developing a small pocket park, Kennedy Park, um, which is on the it's actually in Terry Kennedy's ward, but right on the boundary of... Is it named after his dad? It is. It's, it's Sam Kennedy Park. Um, so we started meeting there. We started working with a local church. And it was through those experiences, like the Pocket Park, for example. It's just a tenth of an acre triangle. Um, but we had to go um, knock on doors of the neighbors to find out, you know, if they were in favor of a park, what they would like to see there. Had to work with city departments. Had to work with Alderman Kennedy. Um, we also worked with a local developer. The park adjoins um, the property of a church, so I had to talk with the church leaders there. So, we, I mean, I had no idea that something that simple would get um, kind of complicated and political, but it was a wonderful success story of all of these different stakeholders coming together. And it was actually after doing that and then starting this group, we were looking at educational choices for families in the neighborhood, looking at safety and security um, issues that would come up. And I, I actually would be pushing my stroller around the neighborhood, and I, I remember telling a friend, man, I would love to be alderman. That seems like the perfect job. Um, so that was probably 13 years ago, and we had wonderful aldermen at the time, Lyda Cruson, and so I knew I was not going to run. It's hard to be an incumbent when you don't have a lot of complaints about them, basically. Yeah, and, and she was very successful. I mean, she drove a lot of the development that we see there. The reason that I love living in the Central West End is in large part because of what she did for the neighborhood and, and her predecessors. What was it kind of like to run in this special election that kind of happened all of a sudden? Well, it was um, it was a short time period, so it moved really fast. Um, and the good thing is I had moved to Skinker to Bolivar last year. So I'd lived in one part of the ward for 13 years and then moved to the other part of the, the ward for the last year. My kids had been very involved in the school and, and Skinker to Bolivar at St. Rock. Um, so for me, I was, I was lucky that I was able to call on a bunch of friends, neighbors from both ends of the ward, um, and the, the other candidates had a lot of experience in the ward. One of them was a, a former alderman. Um, so 
for me, what was exciting was to really kind of create a new path to say, you know, I'm showing up somebody relatively new to the scene. I've been active in the neighborhood, but not active, not active as an elected official in any sort of capacity. Um, so really being able to tell that story and to bring a lot of new people into the campaign was fun because a lot of the people that I've worked with um, are not people who have been active in politics. Um, and so it was exciting to get them involved, get them out knocking on doors for the first time. And uh, spoiler alert, since we're having you in the studio, you did win that race pretty decisively. Um, you'll have to run again in two years for a full term, which will be 18 months, 18 months. <laughs> it's it's not as egregious as uh, Alderwoman Megan Green, where she won a special election, had to run again like five months later and then had to run again like two years later. I think that might set a new record for amount so. of time you had to run and successfully. So it's not it could be worse. And also my alderman. Um, Tom Oldenburg will have to do a similar thing of running in two years. So you were sworn in a, a few weeks ago. I'm interested to know what it's been like so far beyond just the the constituent calls and sort of the, the, the normal things an alderman has to do. Well, so last Friday was when I was ceremonially sworn in, and that was the first Board of Aldermen meeting. And I have been placed on three committees, um, Parks and Environment, Legislative Committee, and, uh, and health, Public Health Committee. And so I'm, I mean, for me, what's been exciting is just learning how city government works. Um, so there's definitely the constituent piece of it, but also just looking at um, a lot of the things that, that we sometimes complain about, I think, as residents. It turns out there are people in city government who are actually working on it every day. Um, even just learning about, um, you know, the neighborhood improvement specialists, formerly the NSOs, um, you know, how active and engaged they are, um, that when we do file a complaint with the city where it goes and that there is somebody on the other end most of the time. Um, you know, taking care of those things. And with Forest Park, there's a lot of long-term planning that's been going on there. Um, so I, because as, a, as the alderman for the 28th Ward, I'm automatically a member of the Citizens Advisory Board for Forest Park. And that is just, an ex, um, just a wonderful example of how stakeholders came together, put together this long-term plan. And now for, for years, there's been an advisory board meeting, going back to that plan and seeing it implemented. So those sorts of things have been really exciting. So you are part of a new class of aldermen, uh, admittingly like elected at different times. There was a large class that was elected um, during the regular municipal elections. You were elected in a special election, and there will be a new second ward alder person elected later this year. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious if you've talked to some of the new people and the quote-unquote old aldermen as well, and kind of how the, the dynamics and the relationships have been. Because from talking with a lot of the newer aldermen, a lot of them are working together, even when they're from different political factions or different parts of the city. I'm wondering if you're kind of placing yourself into that mix, so to speak. I definitely want to be part of that group that's looking more holistically at the city and thinking longer term. You know, we are going to be reducing the number of wards in, in a few years. And so that means we're, we are going to have to work together more as a city. And I am excited about that, too. I think this is a really important time to be involved in politics because I think that the some of the decisions we make over the next three to five years are really going to shape the direction in which St. Louis moves. Um, and so I have been sitting down with, um, I mean, I've known some of the aldermen, Christine Ingracia and Kara Spencer and Dan Gunther I've worked with before with my other hat on at Missouri Coalition for the Environment. Um, and then I've sat down with Alderman Joe Rohde, you know, somebody who's been there for a long time and has faced a lot of the difficult development questions and exciting development questions that I know that I'll be looking at. So, um, you know, an, an Alderman Kennedy I've worked with in the past when we worked on the, the pocket park. Um, so I 
feel like, you know, the experience that I've had in the neighborhood positions me well to really appreciate what some of the more senior aldermen have brought to the table. And also, I'm excited about where this new class of aldermen want to go. Well, maybe you you and Alderwoman Sharon Tyus can bond over the fact that you both are Washington University law graduates, which is a pretty rare thing in politics. There, most WashU law graduates like go into corporate law firms and make zillions of dollars. So the fact that you graduated from such a prestigious institution and have the knowledge of law, along with some of the other attorneys on the board of aldermen, may give you kind of a better sense of how to write legislation, how to make things better. Yeah, I think so. And actually, Alderwoman Tyus and I are both from Illinois, too, originally. Yes. So we've got that connection. And we've talked with Alderwoman Tyus about uh, being from Illinois. I'm from Illinois, too. I think she's a big Cubs fan, which I'll, I'll let slide. <laughs> I'm, I'm a White Sox fan, for what it's worth. Um, um, but yeah, I do think the, the law background, um, I did practice law for about four years. And you know, I've seen what happens when policy is drafted sloppily or when we just don't consider all of the different ways in which something could be interpreted. And so I think that is important to be thinking long term, you know, what are the potential implications of, of some of these things? You mentioned you're on the legislation committee, as we kind of talked about before. If you are elected in 2019, you'll be on the committee that plays a pretty big role in redistricting. For our listeners, um, as of now, the Board of Aldermen will shrink from 28 to technically 15 if you include the Board of Aldermen president, so but 14 aldermen. I think after 2021, it's a little bit complicated, but the lines are going to be drawn in 2021 after the census. I, I know that that's a long ways off, but I know that people are talking about that now. I think that some people like the idea of shrinking the amount of um, aldermen because it may entice better candidates to run for larger seats. But I also know that there are people nervous about that, too, from a representational standpoint. Um, And I'm not just talking about a racial representation. I'm just talking about being able to represent larger areas effectively. So with the caveat that we are in 2017 and lots can change over the next few years, what are you kind of thinking about that process long term? And how do you think it's going to affect how city government runs? Well, I think we need to start thinking now about what the process is for drawing those lines. So we've done it a few different ways in the past. And um, you know, aldermen have, that share boundaries have come together and talked about, you know, how are we going to redraw these? Um, the committee's done it before. And I think one of the things we need to make sure is that we have transparency in the process. Um, I think we need to make sure that um, we are looking at at representation throughout the city um, and making sure that we are, are keeping the lines in such a way that, you know, we're keeping neighborhoods intact when it makes sense. Um, and, you know, there are lots of neighborhoods, you know, the Central West End, for example, has three different aldermen right now. And so you could say there are pros to that and there are cons to that. Um, and so I think being really intentional about about how that happens, you know, how, how we're looking at neighborhood lines, as well as, you know, one of the ideas that's been floated is, is combining north and south parts of the city together so that you have aldermen who are invested in, in both parts of, or in all parts of the city. Um, and I think we need to start looking at those questions now so that we're not pushed into a corner where all of a sudden we're scrambling to get lines drawn by a certain deadline and a few people are making the decisions. That's why we're talking about this now. So if people are listening on the board of aldermen, let's start this discussion now so we're not scrambling in 2021 to draw a bunch of lines. You're also on the Parks and and Environment Committee, as you mentioned before. Um, One of your other hats, quote unquote, is the executive director of the Missouri Coalition for the Environment. I I asked you this when I was interviewing you for when you were running. What kind of uh, environmental issues do you want to bring to the forefront? Because I don't know if this is something that you can necessarily silo, like you're going to 
you're going to sponsor environmental bills here and there. I feel like this is something you can kind of weave into a lot of different things that you do. So I'm interested to hear how you're going to bring that experience to how you do your job. Well, there are a couple of big things that come to mind. One is the fact that St. Louis is at the confluence of our two greatest rivers, the Mississippi and the Missouri River, and what that means for us as a city in a lot of different ways, I mean, in terms of recreation, commerce, tourism, but as well as resiliency. And when I say resiliency, I'm talking about climate change specifically, um, as we have more precipitation, more flooding. Um, we have radioactive waste in the floodplain in, in North County, and that impacts us as, as city residents. So I think um, our connection to those rivers is really important and something that we need to be considering um, in a variety of ways. And then in terms of climate change, our, our state overall um, depends on coal for energy. 80% still of our energy comes from burning coal. And um, we see that in our in air pollution um, and asthma rates in the city of St. Louis. Um, and so looking at how we um, how we generate our energy, energy efficiency. We have a lot of improvements that could be made there. And there are efforts underway looking at how the city can be more energy efficiency, how we can be more renewable. Um, there was the first resolution um, introduced on Friday. Had I to do saw with the that. Sustainability plan. I, I was just going to ask you about that. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't read the resolution, but it's a resolution trying to move toward more renewable energies, almost all renewable energies, by, what, 20 years or something like that? Maybe less than 20 years. I think it was 2035. So 2035 20- minus 2017 is 18 years. See, journalists can do math, by the way. <laughs> but but is, I know that's just a resolution. It's kind of a goal. But as somebody who may be here in 2035, how do you kind of get from just saying we want to do something like that to actually doing it? Well, and, and we've already started doing some of some of this, looking at, and this would be for the city city government, um, is what um, was looked at under the, the last mayor. Mm. So everything from switching over to LED lights to um, what sort of vehicles we're using, energy efficiency improvements that could be made. Um, and that resolution speaks not only to renewable energy sources, but also gains from, from energy efficiency. Um, and so those are the sorts of things that come down to, you know, how to operations. Also, when we're looking to save money, we've got a lot of opportunities there. Switching over to LED lights is something that we're already in the process of doing. There, I, j- just to throw a shout out to the 16th Ward, we've actually started putting LED lights in Francis Park for the last year. And you can definitely notice a difference. They're, they're a little bit brighter, I think, than the other ones. And I guess the idea is they're more energy efficient than just the, the other lights. I imagine that's going to replicate itself throughout the city if, if aldermen decide they want to do that, basically. Yes. Well, the city has a plan to to switch out all of them, um, mm-hmm. and there's an effort underway to get that funded. In the meantime, aldermen can be funding it up front. So aldermen just came back into session a few days ago. It's always hard to predict what are going to be the quote-unquote big issues because sometimes they come out of nowhere. What are kind of some of the bigger issues you expect aldermen to deal with over the next few weeks and months that could be a little bit more controversial than putting LED lights up in the city. Well, Alderman Rohde has a resolution regarding how we dole out incentives for development throughout the city. So working towards a more uniform map that um, you know that everybody could look to, developers could look to, aldermen could look to, and say, okay, if you're in this area of the city, and it be, it's based on a market value analysis map, so real estate property values, um, you know, and so areas like the Central West End that have had a lot of development would receive, um, you know, m- minimal 
incentives based on another area of the city where where it's needed more. And I so I think there's going to be a lot. Of, there already has been a lot of good conversation about that, and so I'm excited to see that move forward because I think that will help help the city and help us as aldermen as well to be more more efficient. And and again, it gets back to that holistic view of the city. Do you think that? When you look at a question like incentives, you also have to look at like what St. Louis County is providing, because I could see a scenario where if the city really ratchets down the amount of incentives that they give, especially to commercial development, you may see a ratcheting up in St. Louis County and St. Charles County and trying to woo bigger companies, which could affect a ward like yours where there is a lot of commercial development. Is that something that aldermen are are keeping in mind or is there such a consensus that too many incentives have been doled out and there just needs to be kind of a a ratcheting down of that and that's probably going to win the day here? Well, I think there's still a lot of active conversation about how we incentivize development and I think what we're honing in on is how do we be smarter about those incentives? So um, we are still in competition, not only with St. Louis County, but with other cities too, whether it's Indianapolis, Milwaukee, Louisville, you know. Um, and so I think that's what we're going to see is that conversation shifting to how do we allocate these resources and these incentives. Um, and I think that does help us move more holistically. So if we can, I mean, I don't think any of us in the city want to see us lose a large employer. So instead of it being, you know, ward versus ward, um, how can we all help to promote the city and figure out, okay, where's going to be the best place for this? Because really, you know, the 28th ward, the 28th ward can be heaven. But if the rest of the city is really struggling, we're not going to attract the the businesses, the developers, the residents that that we want. So we're really all in this together. And I mentioned commercial development, but there's also been a lot of residential uh incentives, not only for larger scale residential developments, but also sometimes older houses get incentives too. Is that something that's also going to be looked at or is it mainly commercial development that you're going to be examining? Well, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself since I'm not the sponsor of that particular You should get very far ahead of yourself. I'm sure, again, I'm sure Alderman Rohde would appreciate it, but continue. (laughs) Um, But I think in general, the conversations that I'm hearing is that, you know, those, uh, a lot of those incentives for for single family homes were really important and served a purpose at a particular time. And there are certain neighborhoods that have really benefited from that. And, you know, where can we start dialing that back? Um, And where areas where that is still needed and that's still helpful? I mean, I think it's hard to, to make a blanket statement that that none of these things are are appropriate anywhere. I think we just have to be, um, like I said, really, really smart and also just be thinking intentionally as as a city. Where do we want to see more growth? Which neighborhoods would really benefit from this? How can we start pushing the boundaries of some of the areas that have thrived um, and start pushing that development farther out? I know that pretty much every time I have an alderman on this show, they always talk about how public safety is a major issue. And it's not just something that they're saying. It's probably constituents are coming up to you and saying, we need to make sure that our neighborhoods are safe. Even though I think that the mayor pretty much has the most say in the direction, given that she has control of the police department, what you would like to see from a policy perspective that aldermen can influence when it comes to making neighborhoods safe? Because I know that this is going to be a big priority for you, and I know that a lot of constituents would like to hear your philosophy on that. I know this could be hard to do, but I, I think we really need to start looking at, at poverty. Um, you know, education's a hard one for the Board of Aldermen because it's, it's under the, the state, um, not under the Board of Aldermen. Um, but I think looking at what sort of services are being provided, we have, we have spent a lot of time looking at how do we 
support our police force, which we absolutely need to do. I mean, these people are putting their lives on the line for us. And so, you know, we need to be looking at at salaries and pensions and all of that. Um, but the other side of the, the coin we have not invested in as much. And, and that is looking at how do we get social services, mental health services, after school programs, jobs programs. I mean, in the long run, if we want to think about St. Louis in 50 years, it's those sorts of investments that are going to get us where, to where we want to be. I actually just wrote a story about this for St. Louis Public Radio about kind of the limited involvement that state government has towards many of these things. Um, certainly, state government does not write a check to the St. Louis Police Department every year and say, go hire 50 officers to deal with crime, because they would have to do that for all the police departments. One thing that they could hypothetically do is provide more money for mental health services. They could direct economic development incentives to parts of this St. Louis city, which are struggling. Um, I, I think that the governor has actually expressed an interest in doing some of those things because part of his crime plan dealt with sending trauma counselors to St. Louis public schools and also providing de-escalation training for police. Um, again, this is not your decision to make alone. This would have to be done either through the, the governor's office or the General Assembly. But do you think it would be helpful to deal with the systemic issues of poverty if you had a more aggressive and invested state in in partnership with the city, Clay? Absolutely. <laughs> I guess that was an easy question to answer. But without that, though, it seems like it's going to be very difficult for the city to do that by itself. That's the reason I'm bringing it up. And, and I'd like to hear your take on that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm just now learning about, um, you know, the city budget and how strapped we are in different places. And, you know, we have there's so many things that the city is already paying for in terms of aging infrastructure. Um, and I think one of the things I'd like to see happen is for us to somehow communicate to the state. This is for a lot of a lot of things that go to back to the General Assembly. Um, you know, when when our cities thrive in the state of Missouri, that benefits the entire state of Missouri. Um, and so those sorts of investments are not important just for the people of St. Louis, but but for the entire state. And I would like to see more cooperation there. I'd like to see more aldermen going to Jeff City and talking to outstate legislators about how we are dependent on one another. Yeah, I think that that's pretty crucial. And I think that the, the, the mayor has done that. She's yes, been she in Jefferson City a couple of times. It's not very unusual. I occasionally saw Mayor Slay there uh, whenever I was at, in the legislature as well. Um, but I mentioned that not necessarily to plug my story, but just to emphasize how important that relationship can be when you're talking about some of the, the systemic aspects, not necessarily funding law enforcement. What are some other issues you expect us city folk to hear more about in the next few weeks? Well, I think, um, let's see, so we talked about the the incentives. Um, you know, we keep hearing about uh, the airport. Yeah, <laughs> which would also technically affect the county since it's in the county, although it is owned by the city. Have you gotten lobbied about that yet or anything? I have not. You know, I, I feel like I've, I'm really learning about it from the newspaper. Oh. Um, and I know it was an initiative that was started under the previous administration. Um, so I'm... You know, I keep getting a lot of questions about it, but um, I haven't gotten a lot of information about it. So I'm not sure I'm not sure where that's headed yet. But I do know that that's something people are very curious. We'll about. probably ask you more about it when there's an actual plan. I think the other thing that I've been thinking a lot about, and I know plan can be like a four letter word <laughs> for some people. Um, but especially when I think about the central corridor and I think about we are getting a lot of new residential developments. Um, we are working to attract more businesses. Um, we do have a lot of great amenities with the park there that attract a lot of visitors. 
And all of that brings a lot of really wonderful things. And it also brings traffic, congestion. You know, there are a lot of things that come with density that sometimes we think, oh, this isn't as important or it's not as big of a deal, you know. But really when it comes down to it, quality of life and being able to grow strategically as a city, I think is really important. And having a comprehensive plan is 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 also critical. We are we already see sometimes, you know, one block will do a traffic study and they'll figure out, okay, we've got to figure out how to either do traffic calming or deal with parking here. And then that just shifts that those issues somewhere else. Um, so really looking holistically, having a, a citywide plan, I think is going to be really important also into the future. This That just made me think of another thing that does affect your ward, which is uh, public transportation. I think there is a Metrolink stop in the 28th ward. There are three. There are three. You know, there was just a sales tax that was passed with a chunk of the money going to potentially expand public transportation north-south. I don't know if that would go through the 28th Ward. My guess would be it would be more on the eastern edge of the city, but it would still probably affect um, the 28th Ward. Is that going to be a conversation that aldermen have about what to do with that money that's essentially directed toward expanding Metrolink in, in the next few years? I mean, I hope so. I mean, as we are, we've got Cortex, we've got, um, you know, other development happening. And so we need to get people where they need to go. And there's a lot of enthusiasm for car optional communities, um, car optional living. And so those sorts of discussions, I think, are going to be really important. And also tied into that is, again, back to the safety concerns that people have um, recently. And, and that brings us right back to how fragmented we are as a city. I mean, Metro is another example of, you know, a really important, um, really important infrastructure in our city is public transportation in our region and, and how we deal with that, given that we are so fragmented. We are in a very fragmented region. Uh, I'm expecting you in the next 30 seconds to tell me how we're going to bring all these fragmented governments together. But I'm going to spare you that because I don't think that's your responsibility. I just wanted to thank you very much for coming on our show. And we are looking forward to having you back in the weeks and months to come. For all of our stories at stlpublicradio.org, follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum, and you can follow the Alderwoman at... So on Twitter, you can find me at Heather N. S. T. L. Thank you again, and until next time, so long.